Welcome back to The Imposter's Way, the place where I keep a beginner's mind and you hopefully can keep on learning from the things I've picked up along the way. The aim of The Imposter's Way is to explore interesting ideas from first principles and that is taking the time to ask naive questions in order to gain a true understanding instead of a superficial familiarity with a topic. So join me in staying curious, in staying independently minded and attempting to find balanced opinions in a world of polarization and simplification. Today's episode is about the moral case for speculation. So why you should speculate too. Speculation is nothing more than making an educated guess. It is an opinionated take of how the future will look and a clear invalidation for this educated guess exists. Meaning one can know when the opinion that we postulated, the speculation we did, was wrong. Therefore, we need to differentiate speculation from idealistic hopes for the future. In this essay, I want to make the case for why adopting a more speculative mindset reduces dissonance in oneself and contributes to a better understanding of the world. And further, I want to put forward that focusing less on idealism and idealistic visions does not per se decrease the importance or the presence of morality in one's action. In last week's episode, The Art of Not Getting Hit, I made the case that having strong opinions weekly held is not just helpful, but necessary. And in this piece here, it's very much about a continuation of those themes um, and just going into a bit more detail what actually does make a good, strong opinion. So we're going to have to start with some words here. Because words are important to make sure we're talking about the same things. Language is inherently an imprecise tool and I found this particularly the case with this here essay um, and the last episode too in the realm of speculation and opinion. So first, the definition of opinion that I could find differs quite a lot from the colloquial use of the word, which is annoying. And therefore the word opinion is really, well, I probably shouldn't use it. Um, an opinion is a conclusion held with confidence, but not substantiated by positive knowledge or proof. So that's the definition. So while opinions are not certain, I'd like to define that an opinion is to have some kind of predictive character that is rooted in the real world. In that sense, they are quite synonymous, actually, with the term prediction or speculation. And that is also what I talked about last uh, week when we talked about strong opinions weekly held in the art of not getting hit. So these opinions are speculations about what, about what the future will bring. And to be honest, now that I've dug a bit more into the origin of the word and the actual colloquial usage of opinion, we should probably call it strong speculations weekly held. Opinion, in its definition, as I stated, is kind of more of a predictive statement, while how we use it colloquially is often a more, I mean, if you think about it, how we use the word is often more of an emo emotional statement or a political statement. It's about what the world should bring, what the future should bring. And speculation, prediction, or hypothesis are all words we could use to make a statement about what we think the future will bring. 
And this is one of the key differentiations I want to make today and kind of explore with some examples. For that, we have to contrast those predictive statements, meaning what I think the world will look like, with opinions that are more political opinions or idealistic statements, maybe emotional statements about what the world should bring. And while they are based in a strong convic conviction, maybe even morality or ethics, they do not have a predictive element. They are non-speculative things. So an easier way to say it is do not confuse should statements with will statements. An idealistic statement like people should stop using cars in the city center by 2030 might be based on a, well, a political conviction or that or just a scientific conviction that air pollution and climate change are dangerous and require action. So the statement does not include any prediction of why and how and exactly when that change will occur in the future. So let's, let's contrast that with a is or will statement. And the equivalent predictive statement here would be saying, well, no people will use cars in the city center anymore by 2030 because they're all using bikes. I mean, there you have a prediction, right? It makes intuitive sense. It's a strong, strong opinion about how the future will play out. And okay, so now we have kind of the semantics of speculation, hypothesis, and then political opinions or, or more idealistic statements. We have kind of the semantics of that cleared up. And now I can kind of make my case why I think doing more speculation is really, really good. Why is speculation good? In short, because you can be wrong. That simple fact brings with it the might of the scientific method, which really was a true innovation and upgrade in human thinking. If you can be wrong, you can also be right. If you cannot be wrong, how would you know that you're right? I mean, a simple example here to illustrate. I say the stars will influence the stars, you know, on the sky. The, the, the constellation of stars, will influence how infl high inflation will go over the next year. With a general statement like that, I can always be right. Somehow, as, as, as we will not have the same alignment of stars for hundreds of years and, you know, I can find a way to, to make sense of it and say, well, because of this alignment, that's why inflation went like this. But would you trust my theory? And now, funnily enough, and this is quite counterintuitive if you hear this for the first time, validity of a prediction or hypothesis increases if that prediction can fail. So another example, I say the widening or the growth of the central bank balance sheet increases inflation. Now we can look at the past and we can observe the current situation and we can build up a correlation and see that balance sheet expansion does not always come before inflation but it does so most of the time, let's say nine out of 10 times. So this makes it easier to trust the second statement instead of the um, theory about the stars, right? So this is called falsifiability. That is the ability that something can be wrong, a hypothesis can be wrong, and actually only through that quality of observing it failing, get do we get um, some kind of not certainty, but some kind of conviction in its predictive qualities. And that is just a key thing to understand. And ideological statements do not have that quality. 
they're really just talk and, and talk is cheap. So I cannot be wrong if I'm just talking. Talk is cheap. And if I make a statement about, let's say, a global conspiracy of elites controlling the world that cannot be disproven, I'm not really saying much. If I stand on a soapbox and scream that people should stop driving cars in cities, that is not saying much. Idealistic statements, political opinions and other unfalsifiable theories have to be, and I think that is the crucial part, identified as such. In financial markets, there is a saying that encapsulates this whole thing quite well. Do not tell me what you think, show me your positions. Positions here refer to the trades that you have on. So meaning which speculations you're actively pursuing with your own money. Let's say you bet that Amazon will grow, but eBay won't, or the other way around. Maybe let's pack that into a bit more of an intricate example, so, so it makes even more sense. Let's say you assume that a pandemic will lead people to looking into living healthier lives. You tell all your friends about your opinion. People will have healthier lives due to the pandemic. And then two years pass of pandemic life. And it doesn't happen. There's a huge dissonance between your expected outcome and reality. Nobody's going to blame you for it, really. You're probably not even going to be thinking about it much. You probably don't even remember that you were talking, ah, people should really get healthy now. But if instead you started a business on top of that assumption, like opening up a healthy restaurant, let's say, it might not be the best example, but in that case, you might be a lot more honest with your own reflections, right? You might have, you might have had to make a concrete prediction that healthy restaurants will be very popular instead of burger joints. And you wait for two years and no customers come. And then you start reading studies by the WHO, for example, that the pandemic instead has caused a dramatic rise in obesity instead. There are real consequences in your life now. And that is what speculation is about. It's about taking probabilities into account and embracing the potential to be wrong. So what does being wrong mean and why is it important? If being wrong is desirable, as I state here, we should understand how being wrong really works. Because it is more than a binary situation. You can be wrong in different facets of your speculation, of your prediction, of your hypothesis. And again, we can learn from financial markets here. In trading, a prediction can be wrong in three major ways. You can be first wrong in the direction of the prediction. Secondly, wrong in the timing of the prediction. And thirdly, wrong in the size of the prediction. So let's color that in a bit. Um, let's go back to the example of the pandemic leading to healthier lifestyles and look how you could be wrong in these three different ways. So firstly, people on average actually become less healthy instead of more healthy. If that happens, you're directionally wrong. That means you, you actually predicted that people would get more healthy and they got less healthy, which seems to be the case, by the way, if I look at the numbers, which is horrific. And I completely would have predicted wrong. Luckily, I didn't speculate on it. <laughs> okay, the second way. People on average only realize five years later and after seven vaccinations and three lockdowns, that taking care of their immune system might be important, right? So that would be timing is wrong. People get um, a virus several times, they, they get through it. 
um, you know, they live unhealthy lives for five years and then they realize the one really, really fundamental way of improving your life quality and also your chances of fighting off diseases is to live a healthier life. So you were completely off on the timing. But it happens, right? It just happens later. And then the third way you could be wrong is people on average do not really change much at all after a pandemic. Some get healthier, but not too many. So the effects of pandemic on lifestyle is negligible. So there is some change, but you just um, your speculation just uh, included that it happens in some kind of drastic fashion. So you were wrong on the size of the move, of the change. Right? If you want a restaurant, you actually need like an, a huge uptick in people coming and not just three people in the neighborhood now living healthier. All right, so that is the first element of a good speculation. It is that you can actually be wrong. And the second important aspect of a good speculation is that you have something to lose. So what does that mean? If a speculation includes the element of having something to lose, intuitively you might think about a 10 euro bet you have with a friend or a childhood friend on who can jump further. Right? That is an intuitive speculation. And there's monetary loss you can suffer here, 10 euros, right, when betting with money. But we should not underestimate there's different ways you can lose in speculation. And I'll just quickly go through them just like we went over the different ways you can be wrong about speculation. So um, I, I'm just going to go through four ways. There might be more. First is money, the obvious one. Second, reputation. Third, optionality. And fourth, opportunity. So like we did before, let's just apply these different ways of having something to lose to that example with the healthy lifestyle, healthy restaurant thing. So firstly, I spend a lot of money opening a healthy restaurant and I have no customers and I have no revenue. So I obviously lose on a monetary level, I have a monetary loss. But secondly, I asked all my friends to work with me and they trusted in my instinct, borrowed me money and they invested their time to help setting up the chairs and painting the walls in the restaurant. And now they don't trust my business instinct anymore because, well, I kind of told them that this is going to be the greatest restaurant in the whole neighborhood and it's not. So I suffer a reputational loss. And thirdly, um, I went all into this healthy restaurant. I worked 100% of my time for two years on it and I put all my money in it. So I said no to a lot of other um, potential opportunities like investing into a friend's nightclub, which is now booming and working great. So due to being fully tied up into one speculation, I've lost the optionality of taking different bets. That is a very important lesson to learn from financial markets is that having not all your eggs in one basket is a way of saying uh, you, you, you want to be open to optionality, meaning you can run different bets at the same time. Which is funny because actually in real life, we often get, apart from financial markets, right? we often get told that this is exactly the wrong strategy. Just something to think about. So you can be, you know, you can be hit by optionality, meaning, oh, there would have been this other opportunity, but I went all into one thing and therefore I missed out on that opportunity. That's option, losing optionality. And then, just simply the opportunity cost, which is another element, is I could have done other things entirely. So 
I was on the fence between opening a nightclub and opening a healthy restaurant. And by doing one thing, I occurred the opportunity cost of not doing the other thing, right? So it's just a little bit of a different view on optionality. It means that the opportunity cost of going and doing something always entails, obviously, all the cost of the things I could have otherwise done, um, which is a really depressing way of looking at it. But if you want to be harsh with yourself, uh, that is important. So um, there's a great book on this whole thing. It's called Skin in the Game by Nassim Taleb. And I think we know the concept intuitively, yet we often do not follow our own sayings. So skin in the game refers to having something to lose, basically. And speculation is taking risks and putting money where your mouth is. And with talk is cheap and putting money where your mouth is, you already see that we do have uh, semantics for this. We have sayings for this in daily life. Um, yet we, I think, oftentimes forget about it. So if I want to remain critical, I have to say that the only intention of voicing opinions that you don't believe are going to happen, right? So opinions without the expectation that they are true or valid is really to be perceived as intellectually advanced or morally advanced or smart, whatever it might be. A lot of politics is this. It is talk without predictive quality. It is theoreticians making vague statements about how the country should change or respond to change. And when it is all said and done, politicians will attrib attribute outcomes in line with their previous statements to their own political acts. But those outcomes that do not fit the narrative will be attributed to external forces or chance or will be downplayed in importance. So you see how this is structurally similar to astrology, right? Where being wrong is not really in the cards. And if you listen to your favorite politicians, you will hear that actually a lot of these statements are not speculation. They are should statements. And by nature, very vague. And therefore do not have really any predictive qualities or actually have these different ways you can be wrong about them. And then as we explored additionally, also having something to lose in different ways, we discovered monetary loss, reputational loss, opportunity costs, etc. So that is the very strict view about how politics sucks oftentimes, at least from a predictive quality, and um, that we should work with hard hypothesis all the time. But let me make the case for where there's a place for politics and idealism. So I think understanding the importance of making falsifiable predictions, not just in the scientific space where you might have heard about this, but adopting a similar mindset in everyday life is crucial. And adding skin in the game makes the consequences of being wrong real, which is a great feedback loop to improve future predictions. Financial markets are like the purest implementation of these principles in action. And I totally understand why there's, especially in media and also in, in I guess, common discussions, there is a lot of hate or negative emotion towards speculators. But what I've learned about financial markets is that I've learned a lot about myself because they are very pure betting markets that uh, encapsulate exactly those principles about skin in the game and about different ways of being wrong in a very precise way. And therefore, there's no space for vagueness and fluffiness. 
Losing money due to a wrong speculation makes you really humble. It shows you very clearly that you were wrong and in which way you were wrong. So surely there has to be a place for political opinions and idealism, right? The important part is to be self-aware and knowing when you're making an idealistic statement at heart. The issue is that we keep mixing the two types of opinions and that is harmful because it confuses reality with fiction. And if I believe no more cars in the cities are a good thing, which I do, then I have to be very aware that that is very different than putting down 10,000 euros on a bet on the fact that there will be no more cars in cities by 2030. Just in your head sometimes just think, would I bet on this? So if we put it in such explicit terms, like I would bet on this, the difference is intuitively clear. Yet we do not make this very explicit in daily life. We, we make these mixed statements where we interweave our view of what the world should be like into our prediction. We extrapolate some kind of milkshake of emotional and predictive analysis into an idealistic prediction that says, because people should drive less cars and city centers should be greener and I will drive less cars, probably, therefore, there will be no more cars for 2030. And the simple testing question, if somebody else or yourself, you want to do that, you just say, would I bet on it? Right? The role of political opinions and idealism is to communicate then about ideas and not about predictions. When we explicitly make a non-predictive statement, we communicate about our values and about our morals, maybe. And it would be foolish to underestimate this, the power of these things, the power of ideas. If an individual or group has enough power to influence the world with their political opinions, these ideas actually might penetrate from the idea realm to the real world. So idealism is a real force in the world, obviously. I hope that is clear. So I don't underestimate idealism. Speculation, in turn, is not an attempt to change the world, but to understand it. It is to make predictive statements about the real world with concrete points of invalidation, meaning you know where you're wrong. That is the aspect of falsification. And mixing the two into idealistic prediction is what confuses us, as it is a political opinion that pretends to be a prediction of what the future will bring. It leads to a dissonance between the expected outcomes and reality, and that leads to disappointment in the end. We should not, we should not be... We should not be disappointed that there is war right now and there's going to be war in the decades to come. We can and we should talk about idealistic notions like peace and, and love, but we have to avoid mistaking these with predictive statements. The world does not change in lockstep with our ideas and markets will teach you otherwise. That can be a very hard lesson to learn if you have something to lose. Okay, to summarize, the moral case for speculation is that it reduces the level of bullshit in the world. That's, I, I should have put this in the top. Taking opinionated bets is taking the risk of being wrong. And to add skin in, game, skin in the game on top of those bets, meaning you have something to lose, adds accountability for you and for others. Right? You feel the pain, others maybe feel the pain, and therefore you really know that you were wrong. Therefore, you're going to have less opinions, and you're going to be more humble about what you don't know. If you think about that, if you had to bet on every statement you made, 
you probably would make less statements, right? Um, I'm not trying to shut you up. I'm just saying, if you think about it, would I, would I speculate on this? It helps you to understand if you're just talking out of your ass or if there's actually something behind it and you have some kind of understanding of the concepts and you can somehow predict at least a bit probability-wise what's going to happen. And then what should happen, right, is an expression of our values. What is going to happen is an expression of our predictive analysis. If you cannot differentiate your thinking between that should and will, you'll be frustrated as the world does not develop towards your shoulds. There is a place for idealism to express ideas, to talk about ideas, to talk about how the world should look like. But we should be also careful not to confuse these ideas with reality. A mismatch between the expected reality and actual events, which happens all the time, that needs to lead to an adjustment. So if you speculated on a healthy post-pandemic populace and you got the opposite, that requires a look in the mirror and reviewing how you got to that prediction and where you went wrong. The market does not care about your opinion is another saying. So I'm, I'm just using financial markets over and over here because they are just this purest implementation of speculation. But the same applies to dinner parties where people might make stupid statements or wise statements about the future and they might bet on it or they might not bet on it. But the market does not care about your opinion is the same as your should statement, your idealistic view does not influence reality as much as you would like. Wherever opinions are voiced, I hope you can now differentiate between these idealistic opinions and predictive opinions and annoy other party guests with the theory of falsification. And of course, more importantly than annoying your friends with it, is to use this framework to critically review your own thinking and consider asking yourself every now and then, do you want to be virtuous or do you want to be right? And for me, speculation embodies the courage to make a predictive statement and the brutal reality of being wrong afterwards, in more than one way even, and the humility to adjust my theories about how the world actually works afterwards. To learn from past speculation and then deploy proper risk management is to not lose everything in one bet, but actually survive in the markets, to learn and adjust and make better speculations in the future. And that's really all I have to say for today. For me, this was a helpful mental model to deconstruct. I hope it was for you too. And with that, I would say keep speculating and have a great day. That was today's episode of The Imposter's Way. If you learned something today or even enjoyed this format, consider coming back next week. I aim to publish these episodes weekly, but will never force myself to publish low-quality work. My aim is to research the topics extensively and continue to improve my writing. Subscribing on podcast apps, sharing this episode with a friend, and reviewing this show on Apple Podcasts are the ways you are able to support me in doing so. So thank you so much for listening. I'm very grateful for your attention. If you prefer reading instead, though, all articles are available at theimpostorsway.com. In case you have any feedback or suggestions, you'll also find my contact details there. Until next time, good night and good luck. Thank you.